Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Welcome to Florida Organic Growers Fresh Take Podcast. I'm your host, Ram. Today, we have an interesting topic to talk about. How farms and farmers have adapted themselves to the COVID-19 pandemic. We have seen the pandemic had a devastating effect during the early stages of the pandemic on farmers' livelihood. The, the pandemic definitely affected a lot of small-scale farmers, and most farmers evolved, adapted, and changed their practices to keep up with this pandemic. To discuss this particular issue on food safety on farms during the pandemic times and the post-pandemic times, we have a farmer herself. I would like to welcome Logan Petre, who is a ranch manager in Grimway Farms. Logan is also our board member, FOX board member, National Organic Standards board member, and more importantly, a farmer herself. Welcome, Logan. Thank you, Ram. Thank you for having me. Logan, as we know, you know, we saw in the newspaper articles, Florida has close to $500 million in loss in ag products during March 2020 when the pandemic began. We saw sad stories of farmers plowing in tomatoes in the field. We heard stories of farmers dumping the milk. But there was a significant change. Some of the small-scale farmers, growers were were affected by this pandemic very severely because they were all supplied to the restaurant. The restaurant industries were affected. However, not all sectors of the ag industry was affected in the nation as well as in Florida. How did Grimway Farms respond to this pandemic and what steps did you all take to make sure this that the, the farm continues to operate or what some of the challenges you all faced and how you adapted? Sure. Well, I'll start with a brief introduction to Grimway Farms in case uh, the audience doesn't know. Grimway Farms is uh, the lead, the world's leading carrot producer, and they most of their production is in on the West Coast. However, they do have farms across the country. So carrots are the main crop, and that's both conventional and organic produce. But the Grimway Farms also owns the Cal Organic label, and in that Cal Organic label, they provide over 30 different items of organic vegetables. Most of all of the production is retail, especially for the organic veg. There are carrots that, you know, that we do sell to the food service industry. So we are integrated into multiple types of the produce industry, most of it being retail. And the bulk of our our volume are, are carrots. And carrots are traditionally a lower cost, um, as something you would consider with a high, you know, a long shelf life and it, it feeds all classes. And so you have lower incomes that also take in or that consume carrots and it's, it's big in schools, um, and things of that sort. So we, we do have kind of our, you know, our network is in a lot of different food sectors. So we were able to see how each sector was affected by the pandemic. And you're right in March, it seemed Right when the shutdown began, it seemed to not matter what type of industry you were in. Everybody was negatively affected. 
And that typically just comes from a panic effect. Um, and so the first week or the first two weeks, there was a drop in, in all production, even in retail. And then you, we suddenly saw a, a surge in production due to people realizing they were going to have to stay at home for a while and restaurants were closing. And so people were needing to, to buy produce for their homes to cook at home. And so, and we saw a, a pretty steady increase or for the next couple of months and into the summer. And so where a lot of industry, you know, in the food service industry that, that serve the schools, that serves the restaurants, there's a, a huge hit and where we all of the, you know, the products that we send to those were actually consumed in other areas. So we were able to move that supply to other demands uh, for retail and, and other things like that. And also for food banks, because we know that there was a lot of food banks going on and food services for, for those who food kitchens, things like that. So we were able to shift that supply to there, but a lot of people who had contracts with food service companies, those growers, uh, negatively i mean it was significant for them in their in their financials and in their growth and so there are a lot of companies like that that were they were hurt and still hurting um growers that that have the retail sales did much better in that and they were able to provide that they had great prices they had steady demand and so we saw some record breaking prices in produce last summer and so, and that was both large farms and, you know, your small family farms. Like my father is a family farmer and, and he has a couple hundred acres of, of vegetables and, and he also, you know, saw some of those similar impacts where his is all retail. And um, so the, the local farmers around him also. And so there, it was, it was a huge, a huge effect, some positive, some negative, but everybody was affected. And we, the supply chain was definitely changed and it has is still, we still see a lot of that because restaurants are slowly opening. There's been some permanent shutdowns of some companies. And, and so it, it's been changed. We think we're, it's getting a little bit more back to normal. Our sales did kind of level back out to where normal retail sales would be, but we did see some significant changes and we're running and we were running into where we were short supply in some areas, trying to, you know, meet the demands of the customers um, who were begging to, to keep their, their stores filled. And I'm sure everybody can remember going into grocery stores and seeing just empty shelves um, mm-hmm. and, and really just trying to go to all the growers. And we were really giving all the supply that we had, but um, I don't know that it quite met the demand. Yeah, that's interesting, Logan, how Green Bay Farms adapted itself to the pandemic. And it looks like you had uh, were able to do a couple of things that worked in your favor. First, the choice of the crop, carrots, which is a low risk when it comes to the shelf life of the product. And then it seems to have diverted your supplies slightly different to make sure that you survive. In other words, you were diversified, you were, you were selling, selling points, not just to retail, but other, other areas and avenues as well. That's an exciting way to see that. And then yeah, a consumer behavior has tremendously changed from what it used to be. You know, the restaurants are, like you said, is slowly opening back up again. I still don't like they still have a limited menu. I'm sorry, because mm-hmm. I like to go, sure. I go to I like to go to <laughs> I like to go Chewy's and add a and have a sure. flan. And then they still keep saying there's no flan or a green chili rice, which uses some tomatoes. I could use some. I could really go. Uh, I still wanted to. Yeah. So restaurants really wish they instead of <laughs> taking the limited menu, they go back to the normal menus mm-hmm. because now that 
because of uh, vaccines and, and, and Florida's policy of open business as usual. I hope more and more people go to the restaurants and the industry picks up. Now, you mentioned about a record sales during summer of last year, and well, even though the sales back came back to normal levels, but it should have put a lot of thrust on farmers because all of a sudden you have this higher demand coming into the store to your company. And then there needs to be an adaptability process. More importantly, not just production perspective, food safety perspective, because ultimately I know that food safety is very important for everybody. It's a very important thing because of the Food Safety Modernization Act, the requirement from retailers of having third-party certifications. The CDC obviously want to make it very clear to the listeners that food safety, the COVID-19 pandemic, according to CDC, is not a foodborne illness. In other words, the food is not, a produce is not a source of, uh, of the disease. It's not a foodborne illness. It's a respiratory disease, according to the CDC at this point in time. So clearly, there is so far, based on all the literatures we have reviewed, there is no correlation between COVID-19 virus and the produce itself. However, what is more important in a farm setup is how, and when you scaled up your production, that's going to put a stress on test on your robustness of your food safety systems in your farm. As some farmers, you know, especially the challenge more comes from a farm worker or a manager, you know, the protecting them and keeping them safe and making sure this does not have a negative impact when our whole nations and Florida's distribution system and production system is under stress due to increased demand in produce. You're right. And so, you know, what COVID did bring is the immediate, I guess, eye-opening to we need to be healthy, right? So produce was, again, we talked about the demands and how the demand surged. And so people definitely wanted produce and they wanted safe produce. And so keeping things safe, you know, many customers were also very interested in how the farmers, the suppliers were keeping the workers safe. And so there were a lot of demands that needed to be met and just to make sure that we kept our workforce. So, you know, when this when the demand is going up, we have to maintain supply. And when you're running into quarantine issues and um, and, and in the pandemic, you're going to have a smaller workforce. And that's just inherent, no matter if they were you know, local people or if they were migrant people. And so it taking the. Uh, safety precautions was really important just to maintain that to make sure you had the labor to get the job done. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of in, in the Southeast, which was where I have a farm for Grimway, we, most of our labor is through the H2A program. And so we source that through migrant workers and they're under contract. We do have people that come in, in March and April, which is when the immediate shutdown happened. And so, a lot, and that's a lot of the farmers in the southeast. At least, you know, you have a huge surge of of production going on in the in the spring and through the summer. And so, getting people here, and then having all the screening, you know, it was limited testing. There was a lot of unknowns going on, and so making sure that people got here um, that was tough, and you know, that was nerve wracking to see if we were going to have people actually pick the crop, you know, that we had such demand for. Um, and so. There were a lot of things done. You had, you know, you had certain, a certain number of people for the housing that was already, you know, built and provided and it was on contract, but because of, you know, CDC guidelines and, and all of these, we had to you know, limit the amount of people. And so you had fewer people able to stay into certain housing and housing is limited anyway. 
And so that reduces the amount of people you could bring in. Also, you know, the transportation, getting people from their country to the U.S. and on whether it's on buses and uh, like Grand Hill buses, things like that, it, we had to space people out more. And so the cost of freight to get people here doubled, um, easily doubled. And so there was a lot of things. Just keeping people safe was very expensive. And that's expensive for every farmer, you know, that had to bring people in. And then also when we did have anybody be sick and that tested positive, you know, they were, they were you know, you have workers comp and they were out for two weeks or so. And so there was a lot of excess spending going on and just labor and testing and uh, making sure that people did stay safe. We to, to try and prevent any kind of spreading. Everybody was, their temperatures were checked. Uh, we made sure everybody felt fine before they got on um, the bus or went into the production facility just to try to prevent any kind of outbreak. And then if we did find somebody that was sick and we got them tested, we quarantined them. We had, you know, where people could stay for while they were positive. So there was a lot of measures done. And then in our production facilities, you know, there were we, where people probably we struggled the most is where it was in the facilities, you know, it was close contact with people or um, closeness and really our shipping departments. We, they seem to be hit, hit the most just because of you know, dealing with, with people, you know, truck drivers and, and they're all over the country. And so the, the chances of spread are, are a lot higher there. And then anybody that was, you know, in contact or around somebody who tested positive, they all had to go home and get tested and, and then we had to provide testing. And, and so it was very expensive to do um, a lot of costs gone into that. So do you have, just curious, because of what you just said, do you have to adjust your pricing because of all this cross went up or is it just because uh, implementing these testings and temperature measurements and six feet apart, that's a significant cost. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you all have been able to overcome that barrier and cost because uh, farmers themselves are spending so much time in production. The cost is always, the input cost, the cost of growing the produce is always challenging. So... I'm glad you're able to overcome, but I was curious whether there is a, whether there has been a, a, because of the demand and supply and increased cost, did the price fluctuate a lot? Just curious to know about your thoughts. Sure. Yeah. So as far as numbers, I can't get too specific, nor do I know the specifics of it, like per person, what it would cost us. But I, I do know generally to say that the rise of costs in production where you think you would, you know, a farmer would make money offset was offset because of the added expense okay. to labor. Okay. So it was, it, you know, it was almost like, you know, you hate the situation, but you're really grateful that the sales went up, you know, and that, <laughs> yeah. that happened because it was able to cover, every, you know, most, most everything um, where it, it typically would have been a huge hit. So it's not like um, when you start thinking, well, you know, the farmers probably made a lot of money, but all the things that they had to put in to, to get that done actually was <laughs> offset from yeah. the COVID costs. Yeah, as you know, uh, fog always supports uh, eating healthy foods and healthy food choices. It's very important consumers eat healthy food choices. So we, with the biggest silver lining, what fog saw or we saw is people buying more fresh produce and consuming more produce and cooking in their home. I hope that the particular trend becomes a permanent and ingrained in American culture. And I, this is not to say they can, they, they are not supposed to go out and eat in the restaurant. It's just a nice thing to do. That's never stopping on it, but more eating more healthy food choices, more fresh produce is always good. 
in fog, when some in a farmers contacted fog and say, hey, especially the organic growers that we serve and say, hey, what do you recommend during COVID time to adapt? We generally say, okay, hey, just make sure you have a training session with your your workers. But make it very clear that the fresh produce is not a source of COVID-19. However, they have to take certain good preventive measures, like stay away from produce if you're sick, practice social distancing, minimize the number of touches. For example, if you, if you can't, because again, we have to go back to the cost, um, uh, well then, you know, consider changing your policies and operations to minimize the number of time a produce is touched by different people. So that's just one of the recommendations we have. And more importantly, this is as simple as, as, as it sounds, wash your hands, wash your hands with soap and water for, for 20 seconds, uh, make sure that the hands is washed properly. And then finally, we also say have a contingency plan um, in case if your workers are calling sick because of COVID-19 and other stuff. This is a general practice that we recommend. And from, from what you just described, you did the same thing almost in Grimway Farms to make sure the food safety is in place, to make sure the increased demand is not compromised with the food safety part. But the more important part is, you know, it is it works pretty much, this steps works very well if you have a food safety person in your farm. But I still feel like the small scale producers are still having struggles and challenging adapting to this pandemic. Do you have any tips and advices for the farmers, Logan? Yes. So Grimway Farms, you know, is very large and we have our own food safety department. Um, my father is a smaller farm and does not you know, have the means or we don't have the capacity to be able to have a food safety department or even a person dedicated for food safety. So even though you don't have that ability, you still can pinpoint or you can make somebody on the farm the, the contact person for food safety, the person responsible for food safety, uh, whether that is the main farmer or an, another employee at the farm. Um, it's important to have because it, it, it is an important topic and there are a lot of rules that have to be followed. And so to have somebody be the go-to person to make sure that things get done, it's important. With that being said, everybody needs to be trained on it. A lot of food safety is just common sense. And, and so having people aware because food safety decisions are made by everybody on the farm. So you need to have the personnel that's on your farm trained. Another thing that you need is the crews, you know, that come in that typically are not permanent employees. They're uh, contracted employees. They also have to be trained. And that can, you know, there can be a language barrier with that, uh, where we see that on in the Southeast a lot. Um, and so making sure that they understand too, because you could be dealing with people of different culture that, that may see things differently. And so we just, you just have to educate people to that standard. I recommend setting very basic, a very simple, inclusive, but very simple SOPs. And that would be for for whatever task on the farm is may compromise any food safety. And um, most of that's going to be harvest. And, and so if you have those SOPs and, and everything is carried out, they're simple, you have checklists, that's logging a lot of the food safety requirements, you know, when the inspectors come on or is having everything logged. Um, but, you know, just to start the food safety program, there, there's consultants that you can have come out that you can hire. And they can teach, you know, they can give you a system that you'll have to follow through with. Now, they don't do all of the work because food safety, like I said, is a daily commitment. And so having them come out, kind of instruct your farm, maybe they can come out periodically, help you before the audits, 
there are people who specialize in it and can help you out. Um, also, there are there are trainings, you know, that the universities are putting on, and that I do recommend farmers going to just to just to educate yourself and and understand what is expected. And they also have strategies that way. Thanks, Logan. For those listeners of our podcast, if you're a farmer and you are in Florida and you had a question on food safety. Uh, please feel free to reach out to Fog. We are more than happy to help you out. We want to be very clear, we are not consultants, but uh, some of the things what Logan outlined, like helping you to find the right third-party consultants or some giving you some minimum information or the minimum, what I call as the minimum information that is necessary to keep your farm safe. Uh, we are more than happy to provide those information to you all. Logan, thanks you very much for your time today. It's a pleasure talking to you. We learned a lot how... Grimway Farms adapted itself to the, the pandemic changes, the things that you have done in your farm to make sure food is safe um, when the scale, that there is an increase in scale and production. And then some of your advice and practical experience, especially you're a typical farm, a farmer, your father is a farmer. I know you are now a ranch manager. So generations of farming, your tips and valuable advice is, 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 will be definitely useful to us. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me on. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 